This is CliffCentral.com. Wow, that was a workout before the show. <laughs> I needed that. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna post a video later on of this uh, gentleman, uh, you know, this free spirited person that I have as my guest here today, who's brought so much energy, mm. enlightenment, and you know that feel good, and that song just helped, you know, to create that vibe, that mood that is needed. Um, you'll see when I post a picture. He's 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 an incredible soul. You'll get to hear. I mean, he's full of life. John McEnroe. Hey, Molo, Body. Sabona. Body. Sipo. Sipo Wena. Sipo. You, got, you, you have so many names. I can't I keep up. Welcome to Opinion Booth. Thank you for having me. So now you are the author of Butterfly Man. Yes. Which um, I believe you want us to give away to anyone that's going to tweet the best tweet using the hashtag Lingam. That's Hashtag L-I-N-G-A-M So you can either tweet And you copy myself Or John uh, McEnroe Or you're going to WhatsApp your best Message mm. to 079-748-2090 And then Myself and John or John's going to decide The best tweet Which has to include the name Lingam Ingebani John E? Ingebani John Ngubani John. Oh, okay. Oh, Uchon. Oh, Nsaza Uchetanga. All right. So, Uchoni. Uchoni, change agent. A social entrepreneur. A ultra endurance athlete. A philanthropist. A social activist. A international field hockey player. A modeler. A actor. A footage. A public speaker. Ngos. Uchabile Gengoku. Yeah, that's enough. Okay. All That's right. too much. I think my mom must have written this. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a mouthful of a of a of a bio, and I mean, I think you ju- you just um, I mean, I tried just to you know fold it into made it into a paragraph because you you you're a high achiever, you're overachiever. I mean, you mentioned it, you know, at least a couple of times in your in your book, which we are going to talk about today. So now you wrote Butterfly Man manuscript on your phone, as yeah, in a cell phone. Yeah. A whole 75,000 words on a phone yeah. in 15 days. Yeah. How is that humanly possible? Because I had so much in my body and uh, I wanted to write it. I wanted to get it out. And um, writing a book is really intimidating. You, you you think, wow, how? where do I start? What do I do? How does this process work? And um, basically, I um, was reflecting on the, the 12 months uh, that had passed. And, and it was just the most incredible 12 months of, of my life where I just let go of so many things I, I never thought I could ever let go of. And suddenly so much magic came into my life and I started writing and I, I didn't stop. I wrote all night and I'd written maybe five, 6,000 words. Um, and it's kind of too long for a blog because people just get turned off over 500 words and you've got to keep it really short. But I sent it to a friend. I was like six in the morning. I'd been writing all night. And um, this guy, Steve, he normally just looks at my stuff and if there's any, you know, glaring crazy things, he'll just say, you know, and edit it here and there or shorten it or whatever. And he said, listen, uh, Bodhi, let's meet up. I want to take you for lunch. And he was flying to London that evening. He's a busy guy, a uh, really special friend. And he just said, 
Bodhi, whatever you do, don't publish that. And I'd shared a lot about my lingam. I don't know if people even know what a lingam is, but we'll go. But <laughs> we'll, I, we'll get into it. But I shared a lot, a lot that a man should probably not share that, you know, like, you know, that the whole, what it means to be a man, part of that is like, you've got to be strong. You've got to keep going. You've got to like, you know, there's certain things a man don't do. And so like when he said this, he said this to me, I was kind of like really taken aback because I just shared my heart. And, um, but maybe he was just taking care of me and he said, Bodhi, don't publish this as your blog as your blog this is your first book and um yeah i to then find the space to write it was the next challenge because you can't just fit it in here and there and then i woke up like 10 days later nothing had moved and i was looking for gaps here and there but i'm just always pulled in many different directions in in life and then i just cancelled everything and i got hold of a friend of mine from johannesburg he works at avis and i said brew get me the cheapest um chori you can give and he gave me this little thing and i got in the car and i drove to um mcgregor like outside robertson like two hours from cape town and i just started writing 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 and it was just it was it was like it was like healing it was like i and i didn't i basically slept a little bit i just ate went to the toilet occasionally and just wrote, 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 wrote because, and, and often you're like, I'm getting tired. This, you know, the quality is, is going down, but just get something out there. You, you can't start the magic unless if it's inside you. And it was amazing. And then I'd got 77,000 words. So I felt like, wow, I've, I've kind of, I've kind of summited. I've, I've climbed this mountain, but now what? Like I've got this, this big chunk of writing, but how does it, come into something can i just publish it now what what is what happens and along my journey i met this writer this american writer who showed me so much compassion and love and and our connection was more than anything what drew me to him but he's an amazing linguist an amazing writer and i sent him the well firstly i sent the, the an email to steve a month after he had had lunch with me and he said bodhi this is a book brother i sent him an email just a freaking email in the body. My, my book is written in the notes section of an iPhone. So I just saw my went share 77,000 words. <laughs> and I just said to Steve, um, there you go. And then he wrote, he wrote back, you, my friend are fucking mental. <laughs> like basically he's like, I've never met someone that when he goes in, he goes in. And I was like, you told me to write a book and here's the book brother. Um, and then I sent it. So I sent it to Steve and I sent it to, um, Ray, Steve. Absolutely. Both of them just completely immersed himself in the book and just it was just amazing i just felt so liberated and and probably since that moment ray has probably hardly slept a wink for six months he has spent every living breathing possible moment he's had on this book he wakes up at one in the morning he's a really simple guy and he has an amazing place in thailand that now we are we are creating feel for real retreats around the world but we've got this amazing healing space in thailand and he just wakes up in his you know in his undies and he sits behind his computer and he listens to the song by pink floyd called uncomfortably numb on repeat so he plays he reckons he's played the song like four thousand times to write this book and he just says that the melody and the sound it just gets him pumped and i'm like whatever floats your boat bro but uh it's now twenty nine thousand words and it's like a masterpiece it's a work of art it's it's such a creation. It's such an unknown thing. We've challenged the, the, the status quo in just the way that it's written. We've challenged the status quo by establishing our own um, publishing company called Hard and Karma Creations that we want to encourage more writers like me who have got something to share to get it out, number one, even if no one reads it. If if you write, it is so healing for the body. You just lighter. You know, I was carrying around 77,000 words. You know? Unreal, unreal. So now you you shared the incredible news with me this morning that you've had the most successful book crowdfunding yeah. in South African history. Yeah, two hundred seventeen thousand. 
yeah. was raised. Yeah. What are you going to use that money for? What? Why did you use, uh, form or, or create uh, the crowdfunding in the first place? So it's it's in this world we don't have to ask permission from anyone. We can put our 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 heart out there on the line, and anyone is able to see it. If you if you've got um, if people want to support you, they can support you. And f- I've been lucky for many years of of walking with the Norgwaja and Red Sox and running across this country and doing the things that I've done. That I've had people that care for me, that support me, and I just wanted to put it out there and and it's quite intimidating because in the beginning they're like a book it's not going to do so well and you know i had quite lofty ambitions and they're like this guy's like you know pie in the sky you know and then suddenly we just started getting momentum and i think for me what's more beautiful about the 217,000 rand and the record is there's like 235 individuals have been who have been willing to put their money in support of butterfly man and what this, 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 it's not just a book. This is a movement. This is about, we want to change the, the, this world and we can't just keep repeating history. We can't just keep doing the same things that we've always done because we're going to keep doing, ha- receiving the same things and th- thinking that we can't do anything about it, but we can. And, but change is, 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 is tough and we want to be able to support people along the way. So Butterfly Man's like the spark, the ignition, the thing that makes you ask those really important questions. And then we've got, you know, a whole lot of backup around that. So yeah, I, I've been, I've been blown away. For, for two weeks, I have been going into an, Steve's office. He he lent me his office space. I took over his whole boardroom. There's just butterfly men books everywhere. Aramex uh, uh, courier packages everywhere. I know all the people at Aramex. There's so much love that has been put into these these packages. But I've signed like 260 books that have gone to 27 different countries in the world. Countries like Norway, Saudi Arabia. It's like Wow. So for me, the, the crowdfunding campaign opened this book up to the world and enabled Butterfly Man to spread its wings. And it's almost like now, wherever it goes, it, it will reach where it's meant to reach. There's nothing stopping us. There's not like we have to get a book deal at exclusive books because you have to go through a, uh, a, a dealer. Uh, there's so much rules, you know, it's, it, it sounds like apartheid, you know, you know, so like, <laughs> It's like red tape, bureaucracy. Yeah, like, come yeah. on, just just get it out there. Like, be bold, be courageous, and see what happens. And it's been beautiful. And and we are in touch with um, some distributors to to find the right sort of happy medium. We'd love the book to be a, available. Um, I've been in touch with Benjamin. He's the CEO of Exclusive yeah, yeah, Books. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm, I mean, you, you've had incredible success. I mean, but first, let me start by saying you've got incredible friends. I mean, to have a, a support system like that, whereby they support your 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 vision and they want to help you in uh, making sure that your book, you know, spreads far and wide. So now let's get into the book. <laughs> I lost count of the number of times you mentioned the word penis in your book. It was rather overwhelming. Was pe- penis. <laughs> penis. You heard me. Penis. Say it again. <laughs> it, 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 did you hear me? It was rather overwhelming, I said. <laughs> Why? Have you never seen a penis or said penis? <laughs> Listen here, especially for a black girl who grew up in an environment where conversations around that anatomy are considered taboo. Mm. I mean, you dare mention the word penis and automatically you are labeled uh, as promiscuous. What you, about can't, you, can't, you can't even talk about your own vagina for crying out loud. Oh exactly. I mean, that's just, that's like, that's like, uh, that's like prison. So d- did you do a word count on the word penis? I think it's how, how many how many times did you use? Because I I really really lost. I tried. I really tried to keep tabs, but I I I couldn't anymore. Like I said, mm. it was overwhelming. Well, to be honest, like jokes aside, for, for many years, and obviously the the actual content of my book and the actual context and and relevance of what I went through regarding my penis, 
I could not have shared this with anyone. I was on stages. I was in front of cameras. I was running. I was doing. I was like this freaking Roman centurion, you know, sent from above. And I was like Superman, but I was crying out for help inside. And not being able to talk about these things is so harmful. It's like, you know, it's like post-apartheid or post the, the war in Germany. Like we have to be able to air these things. Otherwise they stay inside. And when they stay inside, they grow bigger and bigger and they manifest in illness and disease and dysfunction. So I, I've just, I'm so grateful to my penis. Um, it's taught me so much. Um, and um, I'm, I'm really determined to, to have these intimate conversations and to have them with young, with old, with, with whoever, because if we don't have these intimate conversations and if my 10 year old niece or my, my godson, if we don't have these conversations, where are they going to get the information from? They're going to go onto the internet. The internet is flooded with violence, with things that are just going to disconnect us further. We need to embrace these conversations. So one of my, hopes for, for for this book is that it just stimulates intimate conversation with yourself and with others around you because it's really, really important. It's really, really healing. I mean, and I, I know you're very comfortable to talk about, besides, you've put it out there in your book. <laughs> I mean, everyone's going to know what you experience. I mean, you experienced a total loss of sex drive for a whole five years. I think you should be more specific. More than five years? No, no. Erectile dysfunction? Yes. Because okay. sex drive is like kind of cool and a bit of a soft okay. way to put it. So erectile my, dysfunction. My penis just sat there. Like, I can't explain to you to be around a, a beautiful woman and having just taken it for granted that your penis would just rise to the occasion every single time and just thinking that, 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 that you're just like this, this, this Superman and suddenly to be confronted by a situation where there's a beautiful woman in front of you. And your penis is literally the size of a little worm and it's just, it's soft. It, it, it's, and then for that to continue for five years, it was completely debilitating. It was like being in prison. It was, um, I couldn't share it with anyone. So I was like this Superman on the outside pushing on social media, just doing all my things, apparently from the outside having no issues, but unable to share this and unable to get an erection. But I never realized that my dysfunction was my body working exactly how it is meant to work? Because ultimately, if, if you're an imbalance and, and if, if, if things have to change, your, your body has to tell you somehow. And so often we look at um, a dysfunction, a disease, and be like, shit, you know, I, I'm feeling so hard done by. But it, we need to thank our bodies for, for communicating with us. And the way that we thank our bodies is to listen to our bodies. And for so long, I never listened. So like, um, if, if I'm, I don't have kids, but, uh, I've got godsons and, you know, some, uh, I'm babysitting. And if there's a, a young child in your care and he or she comes up to your knee and she's just tagging on your shirt and she's like, Hey, Buti, um, John, Sipo, Bodhi, listen to me. And you just like footsack winner or you just ignore them. That kid, like you break something in that kid, that the trust, and that's exactly what my penis was communicating to me for, for five years. Hey, brother, please listen to me. Please, brother, listen to me. Please, please, please. And I just ignored him. Took tablets, watched porn. Uh, I was trapped. I was trapped. All I wanted to do was sort out the symptoms, make them go away, so I can be great again. Make them go away. And and ultimately, I met this woman who um, this this sums it up pretty well. And and um, I was like talking like a, like really animated and I was, I was hurt. I was pained. And she said, she said, Bodhi, are you breathing? And I was like, wow. You mentioned this in your book. Yeah. And, yeah. and then she said to me, she said to me, you know, why, why are you so violent to yourself? And this, this really just, 
it just touched me completely. It, it took it, all my defenses, all my theatrics, all my humor, my good looks, all that bullshit. She just, she disarmed me. And this was the moment where like, I realized that if I violate myself, which I did for many, many years, if, and let's call it, if I'm violent to myself, if I'm in a relationship with others, I'm going to treat them the way that I treat myself. And it's, it's pretty profound. It's pretty profound. And, um, yeah, um, the relationship with ourself defines everything around us. And often we are, we are made to think that self-love, um, selfishness is like a negative and like, you know, that self, selfishness is, is a word that has, has generated sort of bad press. But someone who looks after him or herself, you're doing the best that you can for for your family, for yourself, for for the world around us. Like Absolutely, it, it's so crucial. So, yeah. so yeah, and and now it's just like it's all out there. I, I I feel like I'm a whole human right here. Whereas before, I would have been a little bit less. I would have felt like I couldn't probably look you in the eyes as as I'm looking you in the eyes now. As and like I've got nothing to hide. Like Sonia, this is me. You know, um, take me I, as I am. And if yeah. I have a, a, a an erect penis or not, it doesn't actually matter. But um, if I start listening to to my penis, if it's not working magic comes and if we're in our, inside our bodies and we listen to our bodies it's the greatest teacher and that's why I'm, I'm with barefoot I'm not I'm not barefoot because I'm some strange hippie people might think that but being barefoot I'm literally getting information and my body is working the whole time shoes make our, our feet stupid shoes basically render the magic of our feet like irrelevant and um, yeah like my body's alive I'm so I'm so connected to my body and, and it's a long journey still but uh, I'm walking it and uh, yeah I'm just so grateful to be here and to to share and obviously like one of the most frequent questions I get is they're like a bit awkward about it but I know they I know that it's coming you know does Work. <laughs> it's pretty beautiful. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask you now because I, I know my husband is listening in. <laughs> but now, hey, Paulo, uh, Paulo, sorry. <laughs> and I know you, 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 you used the pun earlier on when you said, you know, uh, rising to the occasion. But um, I, I didn't want to interrupt you there. But mm. th- that, that was quite uh, astute of you. But, but you are, you are quite a smart. You, you're not quite. You're, you're, you're a smart man. We're going we're gonna to get to your. Uh, CV just now because I've had That's pretty boring. I I I I, I sent this uh, CIA to to hunt uh, some mm. information from you that I know you've been hiding away from mm. people in Google. So now you broke down during a talk that you were giving to a corporate. You mm. broke down on stage mm. during a talk. Mm. I mean, I'm a speaker myself. I I label myself an inspirational speaker, and just reading that in your book. I imagined how I would handle that. I mean, just that thought of watching you, sitting in the audience, watching you as a speaker who's supposed to motivate me, breaking down. And then I thought, you know what? The realness, the authenticity, people connected with you more because of your realness. True? Yeah, I mean, it was probably the first time that I wasn't sort of viewed as ah oh, this guy's just unattainable like he's just too lofty like i i can't relate to the shit and suddenly i was human in that moment um it wasn't easy though because the the vulnerability and the the exhaustion of sharing your truth and even then 
I shared a lot and I broke down, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell people that I had erectile dysfunction. Like I literally couldn't tell anyone for, for years. I couldn't tell anyone. Not even your dad. Cause you, you mentioned I, your, I your dad told, in the book. I eventually told my dad, which was a hell of a moment. I can never, I'll never forget that. Like he broke down, I broke down. And I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, t- the penis to the male is, is, uh, it, it's, it's pretty significant. Like it's almost like, you know, uh, who, who am I without it? Like, what am I? What's the point of life? Um, I don't know, but at that point, like, I'd been exhausted and burnt out for so long and I'd been communicated to people, but people, I'd always just made a plan. I'd always just risen. I'd always just keep up, keep up, keep up. And I, I use those, those words specifically because eventually, like, the only way for you, for, for my body to, for me to listen to my body is, you know, to really deliver me a sucker punch and that was to take my penis away. But in fairness, I still didn't even listen to that, which, which is really interesting because even though I knew uh, this life that I had created, this, this, this golden prison, these organizations, these movements, these talks, these everything, um, I still couldn't let go of them, even though I knew they were completely hurting me. And, and even the fact that I had a, um, a, a dysfunctional penis, it, um, it didn't stop me. Like I, I, I made a plan to just deal with the symptoms, you know, take Viagra. It was, it was so awkward, you know, to not be fully spontaneous in my body, you know, to, it, it was, it was, it was prison. It was pure prison. And in the end, it was a, I call it a fortunate, um, um, fateful night in in Kualanga in Cape Town and and this is also tough because I've lived in Langa and I've never lived in a in a home where the doors open all the time and like the the the, the gate is broken and the 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 walls are low and it doesn't make sense you know because when I move into Langa people are like you know, is it not too dangerous? And yet I'm like looking around the house and there's like fuck all security and my insurance company wouldn't secure, wouldn't, um, uh, when I changed to, to move to, to Langa, I normally just let the, the insurance company know. And they said, uh, okay, just let us know your new address. And then as soon as I dropped the album, they, they gave me this whole questionnaire to fill out about security, which I'd never done before. And we felt, I mean, I felt there was no ADT. There was no, this, there was no burglar bars. There's no trellis door. There was fuck all. So you couldn't get covered. So they didn't cover me. Um, but, but, but what I want to illustrate about this is that the place that's supposed to be the most dangerous has the least security. Um, so, so how can that be in the place, you know, down the road in Constantia or in, in Bishop's Court? There's like, you know, 10 feet walls and security guards and guns and all sorts of stuff. So hang on, like, sh- should he, we need to investigate this a little bit. And, and so many South Africans are like making judgments about Lunga. And I just say to them, have you been there before? Mm. And, and the answer very often is no. And, and certainly through me being there, it's been a beautiful just opening of a flower for people to witness the magic of Langa and the magic of different communities like that. And um, yeah, so when my home got broken into as almost like a, an evangelist for, for Langa and, and a blue sky speaker about Langa, I, I'm not like in cloud cookie land. I know that, that crime exists everywhere. Like it's crime is not like about the color of your skin. Crime is crime is just, it's, it's a part of this world, unfortunately at the moment, but it's, it's not restricted to one area. And, and obviously, um, uh, I didn't want everyone to say, number one, I told you so. And number two, that, you know, all black people steal or in Langa, you know, all this bullshit. Like mm. It just, just reaffirms the, the bullshit. Um, but what it did do, it was basically this person, uh, I, we kind of know who it is. He, he um, if it is he, I mean, I can't confirm it might be a lady. Let's not discriminate. Um, but they came into my room and they took, they took all my, um, my technology, like my, my laptop, 
my iPhone, my um, I, like all my Apple products, like Alani, Good and Lungu should. Um, and ultimately, I mean, I was frozen because Mama and Tutu shares a cupboard with me. And before she goes to school, she's a teacher. She's just amazing. Tommy Tolikile's mother. She's like my awesome mama. She's just, she, I've learned so much about South Africa, about life, about wisdom, about, about love. Lange is love. Lange is community. Lange is like, you don't have to talk about this Ubuntu thing. You feel it every day. The door comes open and kids run through and we, we support each other. And, and I've never felt that before anywhere in the world. And, and even now, coming back to Cape Town, you mentioned a lot of friends that support me. There's no doubt. And there's been a lot of strangers that support me. There's also a lot of friends that walk away from me, you know. And um, one thing, like in Cape Town, I felt like in the in the place which you'd say, where do you live or where's your home? I'd say Cape Town without a doubt. But I, I, I feel at home in Langa. I feel at home in Langa. I feel love in Langa. But when I walk the streets of Cape Town, I feel like a, I feel like an alien. I feel like um, a little bit of a misfit. And and I'm the crazy one for for walking in barefoot. I'm the crazy one for not wanting to to eat animals. And and I'm the crazy one for trying to be more gentle. Like surely, surely I'm not so crazy. Um, so. Yeah, this day when this person basically there was noises in my room. I just it was actually the night of my birthday, and um, I went to bed super late because the next day, Mum and Tutu invited the whole of Bloody Lang around for some dancing and bus stops and just general festivities of of Langa. And um, so I went to bed late so I could kind of finish all my cuck before. And this was normal. I would be going to bed with my cell phone in my hand and wake up myself and had emails mushing, pushing, 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 and. Um, yeah, so I went to bed super late, but I was exhausted. When I hit the pillow, I was, I was out. And then suddenly, I don't know when this was, but it wasn't the usual sound of Mama and Tita coming into my room and her energy and her love. And, and she's a short, also woman, but she's like a thunder. She's like a hurricane. Um, and I just knew it, it was a different part of the room, but I just, I denied it, which is a long time in my life. I denied, you know, my, my illness. And um, eventually I realized there was someone in my room. Yeah, there was someone in the room, but I felt it was a dream. I I was just so scared. I was frozen. I was voiceless, which is pretty pretty significant in, in the context of my life. And in the end, I kind of come to my senses, and this person just bolts. But I still don't know really what was happening. And then I'll never forget when I I'm like trembling to turn the light on, and I turn the light on, and all my charging cables are just strewn in the middle of the room, and. I was like, shit, yeah, there's someone just took all my stuff. And in the end of the day, and then the, the whole kitchen window was taken. It was a great job. And I'm really grateful to this person. Um, and um, it really made me let go of all the things I could not let go of. I couldn't let go of my cell phone, my, my social media. My, I just had, to, I had this purpose to keep going, keep going. And it was this moment, not, not my failed penis. It was this moment that made me actually say, I, I can't go on anymore. I can't pretend anymore. I can't, I can't pretend anymore. So... Yeah, I remember we had three games left in the Langa hockey season. I was the, the player coach of the team. And, you know, to to tell a bunch of of Langa um, boys in my team, Langa men, who have been through so much in their life, so many people have let, let them down, no doubt, and so many white men have certainly let them down. For me to say, basically, guys, and I still couldn't tell them I had a freaking broken penis, and but basically that I was completely burnt out and I needed to take a break. It's like, you know, shame, white boy, you know. It was just, but I couldn't. I had no other. In the, in the past, I just would have carried on. I would have carried on. I would have carried on. But one thing about my Langer family is they they were there for me. They just said, "Okay, we support you, brother. We're with you. We love you." Um, 
do what you got to do, you know, and even if they didn't understand it fully. And obviously going back to Langa for the launch, I was so emotional to tell people about my penis. And I mean, it's been amazing. Like the love and the, the compassion that I feel in Langa is just so freaking special. Like I was given the name Sipo in Langa, but Langa has been a gift to me. And um, yeah, I'm... Yeah, I'm really grateful. Everything happens for a reason. And uh, yeah, I mean, I even had a guy come to my house the other day and I could see he wanted to He didn't want to like talk, you know, like a loud person that everyone says that people are loud. He wanted to speak quietly and um, he wanted the door shut. So I was like, fuck, I know it's coming. And he had the, the courage to tell me that he had erectile dysfunction issues. And there are many people out there that, that have this specific issue. Um, and you know, sometimes you, you're kind of, you get in your mind that if you talk about it, it's going to get worse and, and it's just too embarrassing for a man. But I can tell you that to talk about it, 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 it just only lets it go. It, it's healing in itself. You'll get support. And, and, um, yeah, I hope that I offer, um, just a, a path for people to, to heal. And it's not just about, uh, I mean, there's a lot of masculinity and, and penis and, and specific to do with erectile dysfunction, but it applies to anybody. Whatever kind of dysfunction, disease, unhappiness that you're feeling, like listen to it. What is it trying to tell you? What is it trying to tell you? Don't just try and bat it away, buy a new thing, take a drug, go to the alcohol. So now like I, I don't I don't drink any alcohol. Like I will not touch a, a glass of uh, any form of alcohol, any drug. I just want to – I want to feel – I want to feel my body because my body is so freaking intelligent and my body has been communicating me so many amazing things that I have just missed for so long. So yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm addicted to like vegetables and water and breathing and dancing and just being in my body because I, I haven't been in it for so long. And um, this relationship I've started to have with my body is changing everything in the world around me. Um, so now you, you mentioned you took Viagra, uh, Viagra at some point. How old were you? Uh, it's about well, my penis issue started when I was 30. So, I mean, I, so, so you would have been 30 going to a, a, a chemist, a pharmacy, pharmacist you. or, 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 okay, well met the under, what do you, what do you call it? The black market. Look, yeah, bro. That's where the black market is necessary. No, yeah, I'm not walking to the, the pharmacy and say, give me some of the Viagra. <laughs> Fuck. No ways. I couldn't do it. You couldn't even use the back door. I found no. a dealer. I found no, because a dealer. obviously you, you associate or the assumption is that Viagra is only for men who are, like in their pension years, like the mm. over over sixty on the other side of sixty. Mm. So uh, the reason I mention that is because here you are as a thirty-something-year-old man, and like you said, I mean, you, you mentioned in your book about the kind of lifestyle that you were leading in in varsity, for example. You were you were having a good time. You were enjoying the ladies, if I can put it like yeah, that. You can be more. Direct. And then and then years later, it's almost like Mother Nature. I don't want to call it humbling. Mm. Or bringing you down back down to earth because obviously, like like you've mentioned already, your penis is your manhood is all about you know uh, uh, it can boost your ego if you well endowed if I can put it like that mm. men it, they can get egotistical about that and to you particularly the, the psychological effects was because we were talking about your manhood. You mentioned, I think on page 51, you go, okay, so it's a little true that upon sexless, bone-free reflection was the realization of how sex had left me feeling empty mm. so often. Mm. That's that You came to that realization. Mm. Wasn't that perhaps one of the lessons that you were supposed to learn? And I mean, you mentioned earlier on that the word selfish uh, has been 
put out there as though it's a bad thing to be uh, selfish. And I actually agree with you, you know, being, being selfish can uh, be positive. You can look at it in a positive way to say, I'm looking after number one. Mm. Number one is me. If I can't look after myself, mm. how am I supposed to look after my kids? Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's interesting. Like the the idea of selflessness is challenging to me. Um, in a world, like, and and being selfish or looking after oneself is is just it's profound. It's profound. And what I've learned about I, no one talked about. Sexuality, intimacy, my penis, my penis, my penis. No one talked about it. So, like, my, my guidance for, for this was like American Pie, you know, and, you know, I know that's, that's so embarrassing to say, but we didn't talk about these things. We didn't talk about these things. My penis was just like, it just, I was unconscious about the use of it. I, I was fortunate that I've, I've been put in a, uh, an attractive body and, and I've been athletic and I've been charismatic. So sex just dropped from the sky and I just thought, Oh, that's the way it is. And, and the way that, I mean, there was so much, there's a lot of shame in, in my book about, about acknowledging how, how I have used my penis and um, what it means to be a man. And, and I'm just so grateful because, and I also I, understanding, you know, that the, the feeling of emptiness is also when a man ejaculates, like he, he is, he is losing his, his, um, his life force. Like you, you're, when you ejaculate, it's your life force coming out. There's sex is different for men and women. When we start to understand the needs of each person, like everything changes, but I was unconscious. The amount of times that I would have finished having sex and I get deeply intimate space and I just feel completely alone. And I can only imagine how the woman would have felt. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just, I can't do anything about that now, but today I, I just treasure. I'm now, I'm teaching Tantra, which is an incredible healing art, which is all about awakening the senses. It's all about being in your body. It's got some, again, some negative, um, stigmas, but, um, I don't think uh, awakening the senses of your body is, is such a bad thing. It is so incredible. It's about intimacy. It's about expressing what you really want. Like, what do you want? What do you like? How, and saying yes to those things and saying no to things that you don't want. Because so many times we don't say no to things that we don't want because you think it's what, to, you know, a woman feels that she should go down on her husband or on her, on her boyfriend because he has to come. This idea of a man having to come is total bullshit. It is total bullshit. It has justified our need to come and women to have to go down and serve and do this. It's, it's total bullshit. Like the, the less I ejaculate, the more energy I am just bubbling up inside of me and and yeah the study of tantra is 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 magnificent and if my penis hadn't sat down i I would never have led to this so i'm I'm truly grateful it's been the most incredible teacher and unexpectedly obviously led me to you know i was also frustrated because the world around me i feel like it's not the world that i want it to be like but but like you you can feel frustrated and helpless because you're like well what am i supposed to do about it and obviously then you do what you can and and often that means doing dealing in symptoms dealing in symptoms like symptoms are like being in a in a in a in a hamster wheel we're just going to keep wheel spinning we we keep repeating history and we have but but if you don't know the source it's tough it's really tough like if you don't know the source it's like so i didn't know why why do why do we still have remnants of apartheid why do why do some people value a black person's life or a black man's life different to a black woman's life to a white woman a white man where does this come from how has it been where why do we not see human and yeah the, this is the this is the, the 
underlyingly beautiful message of this book, which I hope people are open to to realizing that the first time that our mothers and our fathers or our caregivers or our, our religious leaders or our teachers or our principals feed us a plate of food and they give us a plate of food with, uh, with a beef burger and yet the same person who gives us the plate of food with a beef burger says, hey John, like it's really important how you treat animals. It's really important how you treat animals because judge a person how you treat animals. So then, you know, I've got my cat and my dog, so I got that check. But I'm like, I'm told that, that I am a good person for the way I treat animals as I put a cow in my mouth. as I, And this cow has led the, the most violent, oppressive, diabolically violent life. And for so long, I was like, I, I felt this and I felt this was wrong. My, my sister was vegetarian since she was 13. I bullied her like an absolute younger brother and I, I just felt in my heart like I can't do anything about the animals someone else has to help them I have a job to do I have to I've always felt that that I knew I had this this role to play in this life and it was to do with justice it was to do with human connection it was to do with unification it was to do with like changing the world and I just saw animals as like shit that's just a, that's a bummer but I can't help them I've got I've got other stuff to do and I never realized that that me at a young age being conditioned to accept that we can do what the hell we want to a cow and we can stroke a cat and we can stroke a dog and then we're a good person. It's exactly the same as during apartheid when a white man says the black person is less valuable than a white person. And I know that's a difficult message to receive, but I know how much pain this country has been through. And that is a profound statement, and I really believe it's the, the way that we can change this world. Because if we start at a young age to believe that we can, we can decide which being has more value than the others, it's the same thing as why um, people look at a woman and say, well, she's a woman. She's a black woman. She's a Muslim woman. She's an Arab woman. She's a poor woman. That's where all sexism, racism, all of these things starts on our plates and I like I, I say that joyfully because finally I've found a source I've found the source I've found something that really is going to change this world and that's why I'm willing to write in the story about the, the full shame that I had my erection problems the um, the porn the I, I even talk about an experience with a prostitute um, like I'm not holding back like this is me I'm human but there's a reason why I'm going to, willing to do this. And that's because I really believe in this. And I really believe this can heal. This can heal. So now, I hope I'm not going to pronounce it properly. Jiva Mukti. Yeah. You're a Jiva Mukti uh, yoga teacher. Yes. And I found it interesting because you mentioned somewhere that you had a lingam massage mm. by a French woman. Mm. I mean, I know the French to be liberated. But <laughs> when I read that part, I thought, oi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Was that meant as a way to correct your ED? It was all, I, when I started to let go and not control and not strategize and not have a plan and not, you know, as a man, we like control, put, get in what you get out, keep going, ambition, drive, strategy, strategy, strategy. I started to let go. Suddenly, the, what was meant for me, my medicine, the people that were meant to be in my life were right in front of me. And um, 
Probably at the time. So lingam, for anyone who's confused about this word lingam, lingam is the Sanskrit word for a penis. Um, and the Sanskrit word for a vagina, 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 vagina is, um, is yoni. Um, they're just beautiful words. And I mean, there would have been a time when I've just gone like some kind of freak calling my penis a lingam. Like, what's your story, brother? So at the time, I probably didn't quite know why. And, and to think of, someone massaging me when I'm completely naked with my legs and arms completely wide with every single part of my body exposed. It felt like very uncomfortable. And to be, uh, to be with an attractive woman, like, you know, you worry, am I going to get, I mean, I wasn't worried if I was going to erection because I, I would have been so fucking happy, but you know, you worry about all sorts of things. Am I going to ejaculate? I, I, you just don't know. So, so the biggest magic about this lingam massage, and, and I'll say about anyone who wants to know what a lingam massage, it's like literally surrendering your body, your care to another human being fully. I'm saying fully. And I'm saying fully as in every single part of your body, every single part of your body. I mean, and obviously it's pretty funny. I mean, I, I, I was like, had to pinch myself when this French woman exists. She said to me, buddy, uh, would you like uh, one finger or two finger in your bum? And I was like, oh, just, just let's, let's start with one, <laughs> you know, let's start with one. But, but, but the, so, so for example, that thing of putting a finger up someone's bum. You have to completely surrender. You have to completely surrender. It's called de-armoring, the, the, the kind of medical term of it. But as a man who has been in control all the time and you have control issues, you have to completely surrender. And I felt such love and care. And, and I think these practices can be negative if they're, if they're done by the, the wrong people with the wrong energy and the wrong um, intentions. But... I was surrounded by angels. Like I can't explain it to you. I, the, the the universe, like uh, Anuk, these these beautiful humans um, that came into my path. I just trusted. I just trusted. I trusted my care to them. And a lot of the practices that I, I've started to do is all about that. And uh, it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So now, in I, I, I think uh, we've spoken enough about your flaccid uh, penis. Um, let's move on to more. It's really, say, really healthy now. Should, by I, the way. should I say? It's like super healthy right now. Should I say? Let's move on to more um, hard matters, turgid topics, mm. <laughs> such as the Red Sox Friday movement that you founded, that yes. you created. Yes. What, what is what is the other word? Uh, shoe ops. Shups, 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 shups. Okay, well, what is that about? Shups is the actually the 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 expression of the Red Sox. Like um, we used to, um, we used to say shups at varsity. It was just a word that really meant nothing, but everyone just got excited, and it was like a word that ignited people. And then when I was playing hockey for South Africa and traveled around the world playing hockey, wherever I went—France, Malaysia, Australia, India—and when we said shups, everyone just said shups in their own way, and they, you know they had no idea what it was, and. Basically, um, me and a friend were living in Dublin and, um, I was working in a corporate, can you believe it? And, uh, playing hockey. And he ended up falling in love with a girl and going back to South Africa just before the Beijing Olympics. And I was going to stay in Dublin. And, um, we wanted to have something that we could remember each other by, share uh, once in a while, wherever we are in the world, we could remember each other. And we couldn't think of anything. And then he shared a story of a war veteran that used to come to his high school, um, 
Remembrance Day services at Gray High School PE and this guy wore red socks every single time and it was like why is this guy wearing red socks and basically it came back that he was a South African Jewish soldier who um, was captured in the Second World War in the Battle of Tobruk and taken to a prisoner of war camp and him and two friends made a pact that if any of them made it back alive that they wear red socks to always be together and I get goosebumps still now and we just decided to wear them on a Friday and this whole movement escalated from there and that then also led to the Unoguajo which is a, a charitable trust it's serving education in this country I really believe in this organization we've just uh, we've got the most incredible executive director that's just come back from years uh, of study in America he's a dedicated um, servant of Mandela he's a dedicated servant to this country and uh, I believe that Unaguajo is going to rise it's going to rise and it must rise um, so yeah that those two organizations movements um, they, they were all formed from serendipitous mo- moments in my life that was so connected and so incredible and yeah I, but I gave myself to those organizations I gave everything to them I was every waking moment I was pushing 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 and yeah be doing this crowdfunding campaign now also you know I have to be very careful about uh, the way that I use social media not to lose my way again because I lost my way in them um, but somehow butterfly man it, it, this is as close to my entire truth as of now my next book will be my next book but I'm I, I'm so inspired to share all to share all, all everything because it's a lot of people have responded to me saying, you know, I just feel like I can, I can be myself now. I mm. can just, sh- I can share whatever's going on. You know, you've just shared all this stuff and it just somehow gives courage to, to do the same. Um, so yeah. You bared your soul. I mean, you put yourself out there. I mean, the thing, I mean, as I was reading, I was like, sure. Wow. I mean, you just, it's almost like you stripped naked and you were like, here I am, you know, uh, judge me for all I care, mm. you know. Um, so the Unoguaja Challenge, uh, which is part of the the charitable uh, trust. So you have a, a an annual bike ride yep. from Cape Town to Peter Marisburg, which you've done on foot, yes. I believe. Yes. 1,650 kilometers, which is then followed by the Comrades Marathon. Yes. So that's an additional 89 kilometers. So you walked a total distance of 1,739 kilometers in 31 days. That's 56 kilometers a day. Yeah. I know you, you have the confidence to walk around barefoot. I'm not sure why, because I can safely put you football players and ballet dancers in the same WhatsApp group. Given the amount of walking you've done. <laughs> Did you get that? No. <laughs> Do you know about football players? They don't have great toes because they often wear soccer boots that are a size oh. too small because if you wear your size, like a size 11, my husband is a size 12, oh. he, he would never buy a size 12 because otherwise he would get teased about having big feet like a, you know, like a clown. Oh, really? So they, they end up with... Um, Oh, I never knew that. And and ballet, ballet people, obviously. Ballet, ballet dancers have terrible toes. I mean, I love you. I love you, Kitty. I just know soccer players earn a lot of money and do, 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 do fuck all. They've got terrible, (laughs) terrible feet. My husband is beautiful. uh, Is he beautiful? uh, Toes. uh, But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you have life, you have thrill seeking issues. I mean, who walks a thousand seven hundred and thirty nine kilometers in a month? Were you, were you bored? No, I by mean, any chance? To be honest, that was you didn't have a TV. Yeah, I mean, we get asked a lot of questions, and I, I was, I was burnt out completely in that year, and that's also another example of the denial that I was going through. Because in in order to not face yourself and face your demons and really be intimate with yourself and your own body, 
you 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 do you 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 act you you become busy just keep me busy keep me busy keep me focused away from the 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 the, the stuff that i i don't want to face so that was just all part of uh, and at the same time cycling from cape town to maritzburg which is a beautiful annual journey pilgrimage across south africa and it's an important one it's been incredible but i realized that uh, like riding a bike and um it, it separates from a, it separates you from a lot of experiences along the way, and that was my main um, inspiration of of doing the the walk on or doing the journey on foot. And, and when I say walk, we had to run. Like in order to cover fifty six k's a day, you had to move. You had to move. But um, we were eye level with so many people, and even now with my experiences in Langa, I mean, you should see it in Langa now. I mean, before I never was barefoot, but I I had a I had a bike. I had a car initially. Then the one day I came home and I told Mum and Tutu, she's like. Ipi mot, and I was like, "Hey, mama, I've sold it." I. She went. She was like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" I mean, like the the car is like the step towards your independence in 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 in, in a township, you know. Like the the car is like the the status, and I had it. So now, like the girls were not interested in me at least, so that kept them away from my 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 uh, not performing penis. But um, when I sold my car, I then started walking and using my bike around Langa, and that was when like. I really started to to feel and experience Langa, and I I went from being shouted at, being called Umlungu, to being called Sipo, Sierra, Tasira. But I was eye level, and that was the inspiration of of the doing Unagwaja on foot. The amount of of South Africans we got to engage with along the way it was just truly magnificent, and people could join in, walk with us, run with us. It was amazing. It was like Forrest Gump. Um, and I mean, funny now. So, so I'm walking around Langa, and I've got my beard and I'm long haired, and like I wear pink clothes, and I sometimes wear sarongs, and, I, and I've got no shoes in Langa. Walking around Langa, people like they, either people say, so I used to be Umlungu, then Sipo, and now it's like Jesus. <laughs> Or um or Tarzan, but it's flipping hilarious. You 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 do look like Tarzan. It's flipping funny. So like I don't know if people think I'm homeless. I I, I don't know that, but it's like when you see me waiting to get a taxi, people are like ish. Like I thought I've seen it all in this country, but people say, well, what what was he doing during apartheid? He didn't benefit, or yeah 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 yeah. There's some freaking dwarf whites. He, he was yeah. fast asleep during yeah, apartheid. Yeah 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 yeah. He missed the boat. <laughs> <laughs> that's classic. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 you mentioned a hockey club in, 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 in Langa. I mean, that's a hockey club in Langa. Mm-hmm. As in a hockey club in Langa. Anyway. I, 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 when I read that, I was like, hmm, interesting. Because I mean, I'm from Pimville, so we're twin. People still, you know, still don't believe me when I say we've got a golf, golf course in, in Pimville. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, People just, um, for, for some strange, strange reason, they find it hard to believe that we, you know, we, we live, we live, uh, I mean, a, a different life. But I found it interesting. I mean, of all things, I mean, soccer clubs, mm. of course, you expect it to be in a place like Langa, the mm. same way you would expect it to be in Pimville, which is also a township yes. part of Soweto. Were you, did you find, uh, f- uh, were you the founder of the hockey club or was it already there and you became no, the no, manager? No, I, um, Langa Hockey Club is an incredible story. It was founded by uh, Bob Wilmer in 1988, the late Bob Wilmer, who was a surfing cricket coach. As far back as 88. 1988. Wow. So basically, the Langa boys played cricket, and then during the winter, um, Bob brought uh, brought down a whole bunch of hockey sticks, and that was the start of Langa Hockey Club. And like I could literally, you could talk about Langa Hockey Club for an hour, and I'd like to just get across that Langa Hockey Club is 
a diamond in this country. Langa Hockey Club has produced outstanding, outstanding hockey players and human beings. Langa Hockey Club is so important. And I mean, I'd like to say Langa as a, as a whole is so important to this country, but I have never been in a, we've now got a hockey pitch and the three roads that are next to the hockey pitch in the hockey stadium out of 90% of the hockey players are from those three roads. So if you are born in those three roads, you are so close to the hockey pitch that you are going to play hockey and you're going to play cricket. And the one street, uh, Rubasana Street, has had like Temba Bavuma, the Tolikile um, cousins. Um, we have we have such excellence in Lange. And and to think like in my world, like where you were born, the actual location has had no bearing on your life. You just overcome it. But in Lange, if you were born a kilometer away from the hockey pitch, you're less likely to play, less likely to play hockey, like less likely to play cricket. So Lange is about just, Lange is so important to this country. Now Unagwaja is working basically wholeheartedly in, in Lange to support this this rising of amazing human beings. The biggest lesson, I mean, I know you learned a lot of lessons, um, particularly around the five-year period when you experience what you experience. And I mean, people will have to read the book to get the, de- mm. uh, you know, to get the details, but you've already shared. Um, I think you've summarized the book, but people still need to read because yes. I mean, it's, it's enlightening. I mean, I, I read it in nine hours. And I mean, I'm, I'm a hyper person, you know, I, I can't sit down for nine hours, but I sit down for nine hours to read your book because mm, it's, it's you. intriguing. So the, Biggest, biggest, biggest lesson that you took away from what you experienced. I'm going to say that um, compassion to to all living beings will change the world, and it will change your own life. And um, if we continue to put violence and rape into our bodies on a daily basis and ignore what is happening around us, we are all contributing to the most horrific and violent holocaust the world has ever seen more horrific than apartheid more horrific than than hitler's germany and it's at the source and if we start to really um, be open to 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 seeing this i think gentleness can spread around this world and um, gentleness starts with yourself and your own body well i am honored to have spent the time with you, which which went by so quickly. I had prepared five pages of our notes and I only went through three, which is testament to the kind of um, person you are. I was looking for a more astute word, but um, it you know in English fails me sometimes. You know, Bantu education, blame it on that. Um, you're an incredible human being, and I'm I'm humbled. To have met you and it it was not an easy interview to have because you um it's almost like you were, there were there were times you were looking at me and I felt like you were looking through my soul which 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 I don't like because I felt like you were you were stripping me bare. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think you understand exactly what I'm talking about. And we'll, we'll talk some more after the show. I'm afraid that's the hour gone. Can you believe it? So we'll, we'll, we'll continue with the conversations via email or, you know, the next time you in Joburg. Um, thank you so, so much for spending your time on the opinion booth. Dear Bonga, of course. Bonga Mina. My humble opinion, after all, this is the opinion booth. And these are in the words of Bodhi. That's you. We cannot change the world unless we truly look after ourselves. And how we look after ourselves determines how we treat others. How we treat others determines how others treat themselves. 
it all begins with ourselves. I've had, I've had the faith to jump off the cliff and keep free falling as I know the net will appear. Aspire to inspire before you expire. This is cliffcentral.com.